In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A friend recently noted that how a person reacts to your sadness says a lot about how long they're going to be in your life. Glenn Ringsfed, Danish author of the children's book entitled Cry Heart But Never Break, captures what it feels like to face the death of a dear one who has been such a caretaker in our lives. Ringsfed's masterful story features four siblings who grapple with their grandmother's imminent death. In the tale, death is depicted as a hooded stranger who may attempt to stall by serving him cup after cup of coffee at the kitchen table. When the hour finally comes for him to head upstairs, where their grandmother lies in bed, the youngest pleads with him, why must she die? Death indulges her with an allegory to illustrate that inextricable connection between life and death. Death's story starts with two brothers named Sorrow and Grief, whose existence is transformed the day they encounter, fall in love with, and commit to sharing the rest of their lives with two soulmates, sisters named Joy and Delight. I cannot help but think of this tender story in this season of our life, in this communion of saints, a time when we slow down to hold space for those who have died. On Wednesday at our Requiem Mass, we will toll bells and light candles, praying the names of those ones lovingly buried from this community of faith. Sadly, no rituals of remembrance can completely erase the ache of their absence, but we can companion those who mourn, honoring their sorrow. Together, we turn toward God, who promises to redeem our deepest losses, even when that future hope feels impossibly far away. The book of Ruth illustrates how such a sacred journey can unfold as communal grace reveals God with us. The narrative bears out like the psalmist's ancient witness, those who go out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, come home with shouts of joy, shouldering their sheaves. As if echoing Ringsfed's tender admonition, cry, dear heart, but never break, Ruth's story proves utterly sacramental unveiling God drawing near to us in our grief, showering us with miraculous provision. Even in death's dark shadow, God's faithfulness leads us to life. In the four short chapters that comprise the book of Ruth, God indeed rescues those who mourn. God fills the hungry with good things and blesses the poor with identity belonging, and purpose they could never imagine for themselves. Ruth has the title role, it's true, but the story centers Naomi's sorrow. Naomi comes to Moab as a migrant mother, fleeing famine in her homeland with her husband and two sons, 
Within a decade, the men Naomi loves, Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion, have all been buried. There is only her defeated past back to Bethlehem. Orpah and Ruth, Naomi's daughters-in-law, seem mere reminders of her painful loss. Yet Ruth is undeterred by Naomi's grief. Her clarity stuns the reticent Naomi, who finally concedes to Ruth's companionship. Naomi's heartache survives that long trip. She arrives home raw and lamenting. We didn't get to hear that part of the story in our reading today, but the women of Bethlehem greet Naomi and Ruth at the city gate. There, Naomi's anguish rings clear. Do not call me, Naomi, she insists. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. In his book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow, psychotherapist Francis Weller describes gates of grief through which we pass whenever we reckon with the unavoidable reality that everything and everyone we love, we will lose. Grief connects us with those pieces of our soul judged harshly by ourselves and others, with the sorrows of the world, like extinction of species and natural disasters. Grief connects us with devastating traumas and the emptiness of thwarted purpose in our lives, even with the sorrows of ancestors handed down from generation to generation. Weller believes we can metabolize such grief without opting for familiar habits of amnesia and anesthesia. But this passage of the soul cannot be rushed. Solace and support we need can be found in community where gentle connections reassure us of God's comfort and care. Weller sees a protective mantle in such communal rituals, sacred practices that sustain and renew the soul that journeys onward, daring to see what is holy amid the shadows. Weller invites those who mourn to befriend the darkness, entering into an apprenticeship with sorrow where our tender grieving can be transformed. Apprenticeship of this variety engages honest questions and culminates in eldership, Weller says, as we emerge to share the spiritual medicine that can be mined from our journey with grief. Ruth may not be the elder widow between the two, but she embraces this apprenticeship with sorrow long before Naomi leans into her own capacities for such. Ruth's loyal faithfulness creates space for God to transform their losses. Little by little, the women learn to live like the poet Rebecca Del Rio describes, walking without the armor of certainty, the plans and planned results of a life imagined. Some might see this as pragmatic more than miraculous, but Naomi doesn't just begrudgingly relate to Ruth. She finally listens and makes Ruth's own question her life mission. Naomi supports Ruth's quest 
for identity, purpose, and belonging. Naomi teaches Ruth communal rituals of gleaning at the harvest and guides Ruth as she navigates the local economy and legal customs. Because of Naomi's trust and coaching, Ruth grows in confidence and courage, learning where, when, and how to take her place in Bethlehem. Ruth's resourcefulness ensures their physical needs are met. Her savvy stewardship secures their connection with Boaz, the kinsman redeemer who partners with Ruth to rebuild the family. In the end, Naomi is no longer bitter and empty, but bounces grandbaby Obed on her knee. Ruth is unabashedly praised by Naomi. Ruth, a daughter better to her than seven sons. Honored within the royal line of David, this one-time foreigner, Ruth miraculously now is foremother to Jesus. Who could imagine God's intention to grow the kingdom like this? Young people in the church remind me of Ruth, raising questions of purpose, identity, and belonging in ways that challenge us to see God's mysterious working in the world. Will our vision for building a legacy, our aspirations for congregational growth, reflect those miraculous means by which God's kingdom tends to come? It's true, the faith and hope of young people put us in touch with difficult questions and perhaps even some grief that we might carry over institutional decline in the wider church. But their faithful presence deserves our courageous response. Will we exercise spiritual eldership like Naomi and support young folks who, like Ruth, courageously wrestle with life's questions? as they make their way in this faith community? Dr. Almeida Wright, professor of religious education at Yale, who researches the spirituality of youth and young adults, notes how often we in the church ignore, misunderstand, and yes, even fear young people. She worries that all too often we assume they've got all the guidance they need to identify and exercise God-given gifts faithfully. Yes, threshold moments like graduations find us cheering on young people as they stretch toward their potential. But when do we acknowledge and listen to their genuine questions? In Howard Thurman's 1980 commencement speech at Spelman College, the theologian shared about his own learning curve with listening. He admitted how he'd nearly missed seeing a blind friend's sadness, Unnoticed as she was by many sighted folks, the woman wound up feeling even more vulnerable, struggling to get her bearings in public spaces when the same people ignored her. Thurman names our sacred responsibility to slow down and listen for what he calls the sound of the genuine, that sacred voice expressed in every one of us, in our painful and difficult questions as much as in our joyful ones. I must wait and listen for the sound of the genuine in you. I must wait, concedes Thurman. When was the last time you waited so as to deeply listen to another's question? 
Naomi's sadness revealed Ruth to be a ready listener. Even as Ruth negotiated her own path through grief, earnest questions consecrated the bond of love between Ruth and Naomi, leading them to miraculous growth on their shared journey. And so may it be for all who hunger for redemption, for God indeed is faithful. Whether we sorrow in our remembrance at Wednesday's Requiem Mass or offer thanksgiving for this communion of saints in our upcoming patronal feast next Sunday, may we always find our way together, transformed by the miracle by which God brings new life out of death. Amen.